0: 708 on CJED. Welcome to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by Fuller Landau, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with my co-host Josh Miller of Fuller Landau. How are you, Josh? Excellent, as always, Dan. Great. And this evening, uh, we're talking to Dan Amber of XN Financial. Dan, welcome to Today's Entrepreneur. Thank you. Good evening. So uh, we start by sort of telling uh, the audience generally what your business is about. So shall we begin there? I think so. And I think just before we get to that, it,
1: you know, the, Dan. There's a lot of entrepreneurs that come from either second, third generation uh, families, and there's entrepreneurs that are just born with it and just start and have get a great idea and go. Today's story is like that, but a little bit different because Dan Anber and I know we'll we'll mix between the two Dan's here. Uh, the voices are different, though. The the Dan Anber of XN Financial really came from a Big business background, but had that entrepreneurial spirit and that entrepreneurial mind. That of course he took to his own accord. So I think that dynamic, that's a little bit different tonight, is actually very interesting. But uh, but I, but you're right, uh, Dan. Let's start with uh, XN Financial and what does XN do today? What makes it unique? What service does it offer?
2: Yeah, thank you, uh, Josh. Well, our our company is very unique. Um, in it provides a specialized service in the insurance sector. For people who live outside of their home country, so this would be traveling senior executives of large uh, multinational corporations who are assigned abroad and uh, may have uh, wife and kids or husband and uh, kids that are brought abroad, uh, abroad uh, with them, or they may stay behind and they have a unique set of uh, of uh, insurance needs to protect risks involved in traveling abroad, and uh, so. That's what our company does. It's a it's a very uh, niche segment in the insurance business, and uh, very proud to have uh, come from Montreal and created this international business. So uh, I think it's relevant to your listeners that uh, entrepreneurs do uh, do go global from Montreal.
1: No, absolutely. We we hear it uh, week in and week out. Now, when you didn't, I mean, you started in this business quite a number of years ago but XN only started a lot more recently. Where, where did your background come out to help you start this business?
2: Well, I worked for 20 years for a large uh, U.S.-based insurance company, the Chubb Corporation, and I uh, feel very privileged to have uh, been part of that group since it gave me an opportunity to be myself an expatriate assigned abroad on uh, six different assignments in four different countries. So working uh, through the executive ranks of the company, I, uh, I had uh, opportunities to work in the U.S., uh, in England, in France, and uh, rotated pretty much through, through that network. Uh, that experience in itself uh, created the opportunity of XN Financial, whereas human resource department managers and, and staff are not always very well equipped to transfer people abroad. So they typically are good transferring within the domestic environment, but uh, the international aspects of an assignment are, are very difficult for them to manage. As I witnessed in traveling and being trying to secure and procure financial services while I'm abroad, advice and uh, various uh, risks that involve me being abroad.
1: So was, was Chubb getting into this field already? Was this something they were already offering or is this something that came about? as a result of
2: Well it, it all uh, came down I was country manager for Chubb in France uh, from 96 to 2000 and there was a large multinational client that came to us who really uh, had specific needs that were not being met and challenged us a risk manager from the large corporation challenged us to solve this problem of 8000 international assignees it was an oil field services company with uh, 8000 expats probably one of the largest populations in the world and uh, really want a coordinated service that provided uh, direct access to those clients through a one-stop shop approach. And uh, at the time, we responded and uh, got the mandate and built an infrastructure while I was in Paris, based in Paris.
1: Still under the Chubb umbrella.
2: Absolutely, but the the issue with Chubb and many multinational, large multinational corporates are not nimble enough to respond to uh, clients' needs. So uh, the, the, the solution that evolved was really parsed in a way where they really had an appetite for maybe uh, uh, certain lines of business, but not other risks, and really it did not become the viable solution for this business model. Uh, certainly, uh, that was the genesis of, 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 maybe there's a better way to solve this, this issue.
1: Now, did you have the support of Chubb? I mean, they came to Chubb because it was a it was a well known insurance company. How did you take that issue? Like, how did you take that 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 need that service that this this multinationals client and say, okay, how do we service it if that product or service doesn't exist today?
2: Right. Well, it, it was really that's where the creative aspect and the entrepreneurial aspect came in. Where what we did is tried to look at the client. And, and provide client-centric solutions, which means a one-stop shop that would respond. So let's take an example. If you're moving to, from Montreal to Brussels on assignment with a large Canadian multinational, you know, the first thing you're gonna to wanna to know is how's my health care gonna be covered when I'm abroad and uh, my life, my disability. So these are solutions that Chubb could not bring to the table. Uh, there's moving insurance. So I've gotta move my goods. I've gotta store certain goods here, you know, in storage for long-term storage. Uh, I need renters or, or homeowners insurance when I'm abroad. Um, I need political risk coverage in the event that uh, I go into a, a hot zone, I'll call <laughs> it, when we have plenty of those evolving today with everything that's happening around the world. Um, so, so these were all different lines of coverage and different risk exposures that had to be dealt with. And uh, Chubb's a great company, but it didn't have the appetite for the broad scope of, of services.
1: And I, and I think that's, that's a great lesson to learn. And I'm sure you, and you lived it firsthand is how do you get this unique service package? Be nimble but operate within Chubb. And when we come back from the break, we'll see how it didn't necessarily continue through that large organization. And Dan was able to take it out on his own.
0: Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD with our guest Dan Amber of XN Financial. 7.19 on Today's Entrepreneur, inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Josh Miller, along with Dan Amber of XN Financial. And Dan was talking about his business, which uh, is, is a really interesting story to me because it's an example of uh, someone working for an employer, in this case a large corporation, and finding a niche uh, that that corporation did not want to go to. So maybe they didn't uh, listen to Dan and maybe they, they didn't want to go there. So Dan went there. And uh, tell us a bit about uh, about that, that, that exploration and, uh, and breaking away from the behemoth to, to, to do your own thing.
2: Well, that's a very interesting point you raise, uh, simply because many large corporations are not really uh, entrepreneurial friendly, I'll call it. Uh, many of them uh, you know, feel like they can entertain an entrepreneur and, and kind of accompany them with a career path, but it con- there comes a time, and my time was 20 years into the, my career, where I really thought we had a, great, a brilliant idea and uh, the corporation really just said listen this is nice but you know they have an eight billion dollar business to run and it's it, it just wasn't on their radar so a uh, big decision had to be made to uh, to take upon this and develop a business plan and and fortunately with all entrepreneurs you got to be surrounded with good people and a uh, founding partner of mine, a gentleman by the name of Ron Roshevsky in Florida was uh, the one who really said hey this is a great idea you know well, let's let's get some seed capital and and try and and, and fund this and uh, test the concept which is exactly what we did
1: so you're so you're now out of chubb and i am sure it's a lot, much longer story than that but let's 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 move forward you're out of chubb you have this idea how formal do you get with your business plan? I mean if you're talking about looking for seed capital because we're talking insurance business, there must mm-hmm. be quite a num- quite a large sum of dollars that you need to to get off the ground how do you how formal were you in your in your business plan and approaching investors? well
2: in our case, we were pretty formal um, you're right there was a, a relatively significant capital outlay for the seed to get the concept worked through and uh, we needed Kpmg's help at the time to. Formulated business plan, uh, which they did here, out of here in Montreal, and uh, and once that plan got validated, we went through an accredited investor uh, option, um, which were it's kind of friends and family, but wealthy friends and family, so to speak, and that's really where my partner became a, an essential uh, a backer to the to the to the vision and the strategy. Uh, Did he, he have any
1: insurance knowledge or oh he yes really, okay. he had
2: been a partner uh, a trading partner of mine for 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 a very long time. So uh, we knew each other and we built that business when I was at Chubb so he he came in and uh, and really facilitated the raising of the capital um, through his network, which was primarily based in uh, Florida and uh, London actually he had a lot of contact with Lloyd's of London. Uh, he'd been trading with Lloyd's of London for twenty years, so uh, we ended up going and doing a roadshow and uh, raising the seed capital needed to get the business going. This was back in two thousand one.
1: So, and when I guess were you complimentary, you and your partner, when you were you complimentary or did you overlap a lot?
2: No, we were very complimentary. I think uh, that that was the strength of, of the deal. I had the vision and the wherewithal to, to execute and he had the belief in, and access to the capital that was required to do it. So that capital, clearly as you start a business venture, and you can imagine insurance is relatively sophisticated, there's technology and infrastructure that was required to, to develop, which was the heavy investment up upfront. Um, and once that concept was validated, we went for a second round uh, of financing to the same accredited investors and then brought in others to uh, complement once there was a proof of concept. And uh, from that point on, uh, the company never had debt and uh, it burned a lot of capital in the first four or five years to build the infrastructure. So um, that, that was really uh, key is the, the patience of the investor and understanding that this was a long, long haul. It wasn't something that was going to turn around in the next quarter.
0: What kind of regulatory hurdles were in his way, and then how do you set up a, an insurance company out, out, from the out of scratch, really? We'll get to that uh, on Today's Entrepreneur with Dan Amber of XN Financial. 7.25 on Today's Entrepreneur. Our guest is Dan Amber of XN Financial, and we're talking about Dan's story. He started... Uh, a specialized insurance business, and Dan, you must have, uh, when you're in this particular field, you must have faced uh, some very interesting, very daunting uh, regulatory challenges in terms of uh, uh, running this type of business uh, in Canada and the States too, I'm assuming. Uh,
2: yes, you you can imagine that uh, today we probably insure about sixty thousand families worldwide in over 120 countries. Um, so the 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 key to uh, the hurdle of regulatory uh, compliance was Lloyd's of London. Uh, Lloyd's, I'd been exposed to Lloyd's in my, uh, during my tenure in, uh, in London with Chubb. Um, and it's a very unique uh, operation. It's not an insurance company. It's actually a marketplace that allows you to take their financial capacity and their licenses in over 100 countries around the world and actually execute your your insurance strategies. So, uh, Lloyds of London was essential to overcoming all of those hurdles because clearly as a startup company, we couldn't have uh, have had enough capital, let alone will, to uh, overcome those hurdles. So, uh, unfortunately, we went to London and got everything we needed uh, as a startup, which was unusual, but the credibility and reputation of the two founding partners kind of carried the day there so that was really the key.
1: Now, when you're you're starting off this new business and today it's great you have 60,000 families at your insurance insuring day 1. I mean, how do you how do people know you exist? You're no longer with this monster uh global company. You're now on your own. How do you get the word out there?
2: Well, you know, that was one of the things you've got to be a little naive to take a step like that, and I say it in a kind way. <laughs> But uh so you gotta I just, be friggin nuts. Is you that gotta, what you're gotta saying? be nuts, <laughs> okay. but but the reality was is I had a real strong belief in what I was doing and realized it was a clearly an underserviced niche uh, that that needed a lot of attention, and I personally had sustained some of the lack of attention and, and skill sets that existed to solve those problems. Um, so so, you know, it, it it became very apparent to me, that let's go and and then you realize okay you're a startup your clients are large multinational corporations so if you think about all the bureaucracy associated with them making a decision to purchase insurance it takes years so we realized very quickly that the sales cycle became much longer than we anticipated
1: longer than your original business plan absolutely
2: one thing that I learned about not being an entrepreneur is always takes longer than you think. <laughs> and and uh, the reality was in year one, they'd go, this is very interesting because we were really cutting edge, bringing technology to deliver this at a time when insurance and the web were not really compatible. And uh, they really loved the service but didn't know if we were going to be there next year. So they say, you know what, why don't you call me next year? Because they were very fascinated <laughs> with it just to see if we had the staying power. And, and this took place for, for, for two years and there you know we planted a lot of seeds and, and really got a lot of attention and mobilized uh, different marketing and advertising campaigns. But the key turning point for us was subsequent to leaving Chubb, the largest client in the expatriate w- field in the world, it's a company called Schlumberger, is an oil field services company, it's a global company based out of Paris program fell apart at CHUP. They just couldn't deal with it. So the client sought us out and said, listen, you want to take this over? And that was it. So it's a little bit like...
1: This was early on after you... It
2: was probably, we incorporated in April 2001. And by December 2001, the client had had, uh, triggered...
0: Today's Entrepreneur with Dan Amber, our guest of XN Financial. Uh, we're going to break for news, and after that, an encouraging story, an uplifting story about why Dan chose Montreal to base his business. Uh, that's on the way on Today's Entrepreneur. 7.34 on CJD, welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller with you Monday nights here at 7 on CJD. And our guest this evening is Dan Amber of XN Financial, a specialty insurance company. And very interesting that Dan chose Montreal uh, to base his business. Dan, what uh, among the cities you were considering? Why did you end up coming to Montreal?
2: Well, it's an interesting uh, question because the just to show you a little bit of the footprint of the company, the corporation was a Delaware holding company based in uh, Delaware with a Boca Raton, Florida, headquarters. Uh, our chairman at the time resided there, so there was an affinity in the investor group. Many of them were from uh, Florida. But um, the strategy really is to was to use Montreal as a back office for all global support, uh, centralizing all of the technology, uh, the document issuance, uh, everything having to do with servicing that client base around the world, we chose Montreal. Montreal offers a very multicultural environment, uh, you know, fluency in, in many languages. And, uh, you know, today in Montreal, we have 15 different nationalities in our staff. Mm. Uh, we're a little bit like the UN in that respect. But uh, we also benefited from R&D tax credits when we developed the technology, which were the Government of Quebec-sponsored uh, programs, as well as we were designated an international financial center In in Quebec, this was a program that was put together back in the liberal government days in the late in the mid 70s. And it was designed to attract uh, uh, foreign entities that transacted internationally. So 75% of your business or more was international in nature you would qualify under this program. And it gave us huge corporate and individual tax breaks. So we accumulated the back office and service support and technology development here. Uh, We do have offices in Toronto. We have offices in London, uh, England, and we also have a company in Bermuda that actually assumes a
1: reinsurance risk. Did that help you recruit better talent?
2: well i i think it 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 allowed us to recruit more appropriate talent i mean if you're dealing with uh, individuals in over 100 you know 20 countries uh there's a certain element of multinational mm-hmm. uh uh, capabilities and understanding that that comes that becomes very relevant, uh, and and Montreal offered that talent pool, and uh, we we did a lot of recruiting uh, on campus, particularly with Concordia. We always had intern programs, and a lot of them would stay on. Uh, uh, but more importantly, there was a base here. I was heading Eastern Canada and knew all of the Canadian distributors and many of the old employees that worked for me. Uh, that I'm very fortunate to to have joined me in this vision to move forward, which was really a leap of faith on their part, and and to this date they're still with me. So uh, that, is that, that is was that, an important. Is that a,
1: a credit like to your management style? Like you know, I, are you a more inclusive? Like what's worked for you yeah. in getting the people to really rally around you and give you their best?
2: Well, you know, I did have a track record. Uh, a lot of uh, folks that knew me had followed my international career. Uh, But more importantly, I think it's really to be true to yourself. uh, Not sure if I'm the best uh, at dealing with people, but I am who I am. And uh, I think it comes out very, very openly and honestly and very transparent. And I think people appreciate that. And what we tried to do is squash politics at -hmm. all costs. And many of the folks that have joined XN left public company environment specifically because they didn't want to deal with that. So as we grew the senior management team, we made it a mission not to incorporate politics in the company. And uh the larger you get though, the more difficult it gets.
1: Absolutely. The, but the, the but we
2: we still maintain that uh that that uh, mandate. Um and uh we're more or less successful in that area
1: as you bring in people from uh, from international backgrounds and large companies and smaller what was your what was your secret how did you deal with making sure the culture of XN remained the culture of XN as cuz as as people come in from all different environments large companies smaller companies or or no experience how do you how did you create and maintain that similar culture that helped push all forward in the same direction.
2: Well, I, I believe it just has to do with surrounding yourself with people who have the same beliefs. And what's interesting is I can go back in time and, and see there were many people that didn't fit the culture and that were actually expelled from the company. It just happens, not because of my doing, but just uh, s- seriously, if, if, if there wasn't a fit of, of uh, dignity and respect and, and, and really working very hard, But uh, people are important in our business. People are important in our company. Um, I think large corporations are losing that. Uh, They're becoming very financial oriented. Uh, What have you done for me lately? What's happening in the next quarter, in the next month? And they're gonna toss people off and bring them on. And and we we just believe that you get the right people and the right surrounding, develop the right culture. uh, It creates retention. It creates a working environment that is flexible and 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 conducive to
1: executing results now the, another uh, human resource is an important aspect you mentioned earlier there's a technology component that's also hugely important. I would imagine as you're dealing with sixty thousand families throughout the world, you know staying in touch with everybody and people being on the same page and having all the same services, technology has to play a huge role. How, did, how does technology change and advancement over the years helped you?
2: Well, in there, again, is a Montreal story. Um, in 1996, I was an advisory board member for a company called Mask Internet uh, that had been created, again, using government programs to develop corporate websites at the time when the web was just starting. And as a result, we the, the company oriented itself into developing rating engines, quoting engines for into the insurance industry and issuance of policy documents being contracts of insurance and was well ahead of the curve. So what we did is in 2001, when we got to founding capital, we bought that company and integrated it into XN Holdings so that it had one client, which was XN. And that became the backdrop for us developing uh, the, the adapted technology. It, we, the, the beauty of our model is that when you serve a population in over 120 countries, they all want to access via the web the same information through a secure environment and you can deliver sponsored or voluntary programs uh, to a population anywhere in the world. That was revolutionary in 2001. And, and actually it was almost a setback for us because Many investors looked at it as saying, you, you're well ahead of the curve, you're a little too far ahead of the curve here, you're, your clients aren't ready for this. <laughs> and we said, well, that's how we're going to be different and differentiate ourselves.
1: Now, the, you, you, you mentioned earlier on that there were many different investors, it wasn't just yourself and your partner, there were a number of, uh, of, of people that, that contributed to the seed capital. Did they have, do you plan for an exit strategy?
2: Well, we we executed our exit strategy uh, uh, in October of 2011. But just to come back to the investor base, uh, there were 42 investors in our company. And a lot of them just wrote checks based on who we were. Uh, They they saw the credibility and they'd known us. And these were people in the insurance agency or retail brokerage industry who we had dealt with. And via our reputation, they thought it was a great concept. And uh, the money was a lot easier to raise that way because of our credibility, our joint credibility with the founding partner. Um, so, so you know, that was a very broad investor base. Honestly, I don't recommend it to anyone. It's, <laughs> a, it's a real challenge to, to try and manage.
1: But you did report to them. I and mean, you had a board of directors. Oh, and-
2: yes. And everyone on the board had skin in the game. This, this was, uh, these were, we were very successful entrepreneurs themselves. And that's, that's the other lesson learned is surround yourself with people who have been there and done that. Um, and it will heighten your, your, your uh, ability to succeed. So I was very fortunate I consider myself very lucky uh, to, to have had that uh, gray matter surrounding me during what was obviously some pretty difficult times as you're burning capital and you're saying, is there an end to this? Uh, but they, which were... I'm
1: sure the investor is saying, okay, where's the end?
2: Exactly, and and uh, and that actually took us into uh, you know the, you go three to five years, and it becomes five to seven years, and then after seven years, they're going, okay, what's your exit? And, and that's a very very uh, valid question. Uh, we went and uh, and started looking at the valuation of the company. Um, and retained a New York uh, investment banking firm to try and call it, peddle the company, uh, because the investors were had, had suffered from investor fatigue at that point. They really had to uh, to get out. A lot of them were older gentlemen and, and who 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 really didn't have that time horizon. And then 2008 hit, and it was a financial crisis. So we didn't really know what strains they had in trying to liquidate some of their assets, but it became very clear we had to do something. Fortunately for us, uh, we moved along, and in 2011, uh, a French firm that I knew from my days uh, back in the late 90s in France came up, and uh, they were in the same business we were in. Actually, they were administrators of, of, of partners of ours, and uh, they bought the company for cash, and uh, we now have 300,000 families worldwide as a group, and uh, we are their America's division. They do about a billion euros in in top-line revenue.
0: And all worked out in the end. Yes, it did. Uh, Dan Amber, XN Financial. We'll bring into the conversation Ernie Furt, tax partner with Fuller Landau, and we'll talk about taxes, of course, corporate taxes, after the break on Today's Entrepreneur. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and Fuller Landau's Josh Miller on Today's Entrepreneur. Our guests, Dan Amber of XN Financial, and we also welcome uh, tax partner at Fuller Landau, Ernie Furt. Welcome back, Ernie. Thank you. So we want to talk corporate taxes, my favorite subject on this program, Josh. And you know, there's a lot of
1: people with December year ends, <laughs> favorite. <laughs> yeah, Dan, you have a lot of favorite topics. <laughs> some we can't talk on air. So there, there's a lot of companies with December year ends. We're November 19th. We're about six, seven weeks away. There's definitely planning. There's definitely some things that that companies and entrepreneurs and owners should think about before as they as they come to the, to their year end. And I think Ernie, you certainly have a few right off the top of your head. So why don't you just come right out with it and and give us a few that
3: uh, that we should absolutely think about. Well, on the corporate side, you got you always have to take a look at what your salary dividend mix is like, and you have to ensure that uh, you that you take out enough money from the corporation for you to, to 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 be able to you know reduce your taxes accordingly in the corporation and possibly defer personal taxes in that regard as well. You can also decide to take out dividends from the corporation. And you have to basically take a look at what your financial position is right now to see what is uh, what is good. If you have an investment holding company, uh, this time of the year is a good time of the year to take a look at your capital gains and or capital losses and decide if you want to sell off capital gains uh, in order to uh, to trigger a capital dividend account potentially, and uh, also potentially trigger losses against uh, against those gains as well. Now, now
1: I, I think, and you know, we've certainly seen many clients and many entrepreneurs over the year just kind of take money out of their company during the year, uh, you know, call it what you want, whether they're borrowing it or not. Uh, Is that something that they should really look ahead and look what they've done in their past year
3: to mitigate whatever potential negative impact if they don't do something? You really should look at, at the corporation picture and what you've taken out. And a lot of entrepreneurs sometimes consider their own companies as a personal bank account. And in reality, it's not. And you, uh, you really have to pay the piper in, the, in that regard and uh, either take out a dividend or take it out as salary. And uh, the government may look at it and hit you with a taxable benefit as an appropriation to shareholder or, or something of that nature. So you really have to pay attention and close attention to, to what you pull out of the corporation. And there's other strategies that you can use that are too complex to get into of pulling money out of a corporation, which is, uh, which is a possibility at times.
1: Now you, you had mentioned something about this capital dividend account that I think is a, an interesting component, maybe something that can be used to plan uh, plan
3: for the year end. A capital dividend account is the tax free portion of a capital gain. So first of all, you have to have a capital gain, and it's a communal account that works uh, for the life of the, uh, of the enterprise. So effectively, if you have a capital dividend account, you can pay that out tax free to the shareholder. Another interesting thing with that is you could decide to sell off or gift securities to to some charitable organization that will accept them and then you have a capital gain but that whole capital gain won't be taxable and as such that whole gain will become part of your capital dividend account as well. So you could actually take that out but you have to do special elections and uh, you have to have special resolutions and. The, in order for your accountant and lawyer to prepare these in order for you to pull out that money on a tax-free basis. And don't forget that capital losses will reduce your capital dividend account.
0: Lots of strategies to consider when we come back after the break. Some more strategic spending. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD, as well as Dan Anber's piece of advice for Today's Entrepreneur. That's next. Coming up to 7.56 on CJAD, Today's Entrepreneur with guest Dan Amber of XN Financial and Ernie Furt, tax partner at Fuller Orlando. And uh, Ernie, we're talking corporate taxes. And I think where we left off was, you know, what should companies consider maybe
1: on strategically spending so they don't lose out on something or gain some tax
3: competitive advantage before the end of the year? You can always buy capital assets uh, near the end of the year as long as they're in use uh, for the corporation. But one thing that's very interesting and should be considered, especially by corporations who are financial corporations, who who are going to lose their ability to reclaim their qst starting january 1st is potentially buying assets that you need accelerating your purchases such as purchases of computers and, uh, and other things and you can be able to get back that 9.5 percent qst if you buy it in december and use it in december as opposed to buying that asset in january where you will not be able to get it back Is there any? I mean, there's this. I know there are big changes
1: coming out in the GST or QST. Is there anything quickly that uh, that other than that, people or shareholders of say holding corporations should consider?
3: Shareholders of holding corporations are also financial corporations. A holding company is a financial corporation. As such, they too can purchase the same type of assets. Uh, and 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 benefit from from recovery of the qst as opposed to not recovering it when per, when the assets are purchased later
1: so it's all about timing because January 1st 2013 that's done correct excellent I, I think as we as we you know certainly as we hear on many shows it's all about planning ahead and strategically planning ahead year-end tax planning is absolutely no different and as we approach the end of the show we're going to turn to Dan amber and in his many years of experience, both uh, large corporations in his own entrepreneurial corporation. Dan, what one piece of advice out of the many that you've learned over the years would you give to today's entrepreneur?
2: Well, it's it's probably what I refer to as the two Ps, I guess. Passion and perseverance. It, it is absolutely key to success and uh, a strong belief in yourself and your, your convictions. Um, you know, if you develop a passion what you do and your beliefs, and don't let anyone derail you from achieving those dreams, uh, you are going to be confronted day in, day out with negativity, I'll call. And uh, you run into negative people every day, stay positive, and persevere.
1: I, I think those are absolutely great lessons to learn. And, and I would, my takeaway, Dan, today, Dan, 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 uh, <laughs> my takeaway today would be really Knowing that you have a great idea, don't be stifled by the big company around you. You know, Dan Anber was mentioning, you know, the negativity. I would stake it even step further. Don't don't be stifled by anything around you, not just the negativity, but the surroundings, the environment. If it's not flourished, if it's not working within your own environment, whether you're in a big company or a small one and you believe in yourself, well, take it out, make something happen of it. That's what entrepreneurs do. They kind of, they take the best of the people around them and they're able to ignore the negative or ignore the bad environment around them and make the most of their total global idea and effort and environment. And I think that's what we take away from Dan Amber's
0: real life experience of moving away from a large business and making something his own. And if your employer is not listening to your creative ideas, maybe you should be an entrepreneur yourself. I think that's an interesting point from tonight. So, Dan Amber, thank you very much for this of XN Financial. And Ernie Furt, of course, tax partner at Fuller Landau. Thank you, Ernie. Thank you. Thanks for having me. uh, pleasure having you guys. Back next week, Monday night at 7 p.m., you can reach Fuller Landau during business hours at 514-875-2865 or visit www.flmontreal.com, 8 o'clock on CJD 800.